Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Well, hello there. Belly up to my bar. Let's have a little chat like we do every day. Of course, you know this by now. and We've been chatting for every day for about a month. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. I am Matt Williamson, part of the ever-expanding Locked On Network. and We pretty much have every team full, except for three, I think. Don't quote me on that, because they happen every day, too, and get an email of, welcome these three, welcome these two. So, pretty soon, I think all 32 teams will be covered on the Locked On NFL Network, including Locked On Fantasy, which is especially important this time of year. I'm sure you guys have your drafts, or just did. My draft is this weekend. I'm going to get into that with you guys a little bit today. Uh, This, of course, is not a fantasy show, but this is going to be the one time that I discuss it a little bit. Uh, Tonight, I am going to the local radio station, watching the Steelers game there, doing the post-game show uh, until like 1 or 1.30 in the morning. Um, Not real excited about that, to be honest. Game four, there's not that much to take away. Talk for two hours afterwards about who's going to be the 53rd guy, and then after week one, they cut him too. But... You know, that's what my plan is for today, amongst some other football stuff, obviously. Um, So let's get into it. Uh, in the front four here, I have one, one game I want to talk about, and then I want to do some odds and ends. All right, let's discuss one game here today. The Lions and the Ravens from this weekend. Uh, this was Flacco's first return since his injury. Uh, right off the bat, he throws a, a a bomb deep and overthrew Wallace on the first snap of the game. Um, I gotta be honest. I mean, I have my my notes here for this game, and I wanted to share them with you. But there wasn't a lot to take away from this game for me, especially with the you know the first quarter and a half, give or take. It was kind of a lot of stoppages of play, a lot of drop passes. I wouldn't say Flacco looked good or bad, but, you know, let's knock off the proverbial rust. That's good. Get him out there. Um, obviously, he's throwing the ball well enough. You know, fine. Um, the running back situation for the Ravens is very interesting to me. Um, Dixon played very early in this one. He got injured, and we talked about that too. He's probably going to miss about the first month of the season. Maybe he comes back week three, week four, right in that neighborhood. But the fact that he played early, I thought, was telling because I've been saying all along that I think he's going to lead this team in rushing. Now, I don't know that I believe that now if he doesn't play the first four games, but I think he's going to be their best, most effective running back this year. I'll change my prediction. I really think he fits what Tressman does well. I mean, Tressman loves throwing to his running backs. I mean, look how many passing attempts the Ravens had last year. And late in the year, they were losing a lot, so maybe they go down a little. Trustman throws the ball, and <clears throat> I mean, think Matt Forte. I think Dixon's going to be used a lot like that. Javoris Allen's a decent receiver. Forsett's a decent receiver, but Dixon has a chance to be a great receiver. 
He's the most elusive of these guys. You know, last year in college, he had very poor blocking. Their team was often overmatched, and he still was highly effective. Put together a heck of a, a productive season and an unbelievable highlight tape. I mean, his make-you-missing ability is very, very good. Um, I know Terrence West is, you know, getting a lot of attention, and I get that. I'm good for him. It looks like he's resurrecting his career. So I'm not saying Dixon's going to easily be the lead guy, but when it's all said and done, I think he is the guy here, um, and, and it's going to be a nice addition for this Ravens team in, in all facets. Uh, another injury that happened this game was Ben Watson got hurt early. Uh, I know we talked about injuries, so I'm not going to harp on it, but I just hope it's not the end of his career. My hunch is it could be. I hope not. Um, another running back, though, I like Amir Abdullah, I think, more, more than most do out there. I, I think he has a chance to be... Not an every down back, but, you know, certainly the bell cow there. Um, they're going to have a big heavy guy like Zenner. They're going to have a great receiver like Riddick. And Abdullah, to me, is the guy that's right in between that should be on the field a lot. You know, maybe with Red, Riddick a, a fair amount, too. I mean, Riddick can just basically be a slot wide receiver for you, too. Um, he, had a t- he had a touchdown run that he was pretty much untouched and it came back on a hold. Well, I think the hold is probably why he got the touchdown. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, not not a lot to really take away from that run. But, you know, he looked explosive. He looked good. I think Abdullah could have a very good year. Um, a key there is, you know, and one of the, the positive notes I thought from the Lions, since watching them actually in practice when they were here in Latrobe and in week one against the Steelers, I think their offensive line is clearly improving, and some of these high picks that they've invested in are getting better during the preseason. And that should be music to Lions fans' ears. I mean, uh, to me, that is a huge key to this team. They keep investing, keep investing in the the offensive line position, including a first-round pick this year. And, again, it's only preseason. Let's not overreact. But it looks like that unit is improving. That would be huge because they really do need a running game. Um. Stafford didn't didn't do a lot in this game, but he's been very good in the preseason. I think this Stafford-Jim Bob Cooter marriage is a winning combination. I, I very much believe it was not a fluke that the Lions ran the ball better. Stafford didn't turn the ball over. He got the ball out quick once Cooter took over. Um, I wrote a long article about that not long ago. Check that out on my timeline. Um, the Lions had a lot of drops. But overall, I didn't see a ton to take away from this game. I mean, those are just some of the major notes I wanted to share with you. Um, Two more, another offensive line note, though, a positive one for the Ravens. Ronnie Stanley, you know, there was a lot of talk about they probably wanted Tunsil more and the whole gas mask bong situation, and they took, took or, quote, settled for Stanley. And I thought Tunsil was the best player in this draft. But that aside... Stanley looks like a natural. I mean, he looks like a plug-and-play left tackle that's been doing it for five years. Very comfortable out there, especially in protection. You know, I hate these quotes like, oh, he'll be a 10-year starter. Well, he looks like that. And if I ever say that and I don't use the caveat of assuming he doesn't get injured because players get injured all the time, it's a rough game, you know, he has that look about him. And that would be fantastic. I'm not saying he's Jonathan Ogden, but if he can be their left tackle for the next decade or so, that's phenomenal. Another positive note for the Ravens that hopefully we see tonight. Um, last I heard, Perryman, their fourth-round pick a year ago, the wide receiver, is scheduled to finally play tonight. I love this kid. I mean, I think he 
isn't just a Mike Wallace type. He's a much more physical... I think he's closer to Julio Jones than he is to Mike Wallace in terms of gifts and natural ability. So many injuries, you know, that that's obviously, you know, the concern with the guy is what what's going to go on with that. I can't wait to see him. Of, of all the people in the preseason, he's very high on my list for somebody I want to see at least get on the field and run around. I'd mentioned at the beginning of the show, you know, how fast this Locked On network is growing, and my audience even on this podcast is growing quickly. One thing you could do for me is to promote it. Go to iTunes, leave comments, tell your friends. Um, we're getting to the point where it's growing pretty rapidly, and you can, you know, really start to to help the cause by spreading the word. You know, we're getting the, over the hump, and it should start rolling even more in terms of our numbers. But what shows you, you know, the, the good work we're doing here is the sponsorship we're getting. And we got another sponsor, and it's my bookie. And I went to my bookie, um, the website yesterday. Just type in my bookie in your browser. It'll take you right there. And I went there yesterday. It's a very impressive site. And I know a lot of you guys out there are, are, will put a buck or two on, on games, <laughs> and I don't blame you. And I will be giving some advice along those lines during the season. I don't know if we're going to talk spreads or not. I haven't really given that a lot of thought. But we certainly will talk, you know, how I think the game flow is going to go and uh, some some things that will obviously correlate to your bookie needs. And, and my bookie's a place to go. Um, my bookie features real Vegas odds, incredible player props on every football game. If the game already kicked off, this is pretty cool, they have live in-game odds. So if the 1 o'clock game and you're at church or hanging with the fam or mowing the lawn or something, and you get in there at 102, you can still put money on it, you know, and it changes as the game goes. So it's never too late to make a play. Um, it's optimized now for smartphone users for nonstop action on the go. So I guess you could take your smartphone to, phone to church or on, while you're mowing the lawn and do it. Pretty cool. Things have come a long way, obviously. Uh so go online, just type my bookie in your browser and sign up today. And best of all, use my promo code. It's just NFL. I think you can remember that. And you'll be entered into their million-dollar prize pool. If you win, you better let me know, by the way. If you use the NFL code and get in the million-dollar prize pool and, and win, you better drop me a line, and we might meet up somewhere like Hawaii. Anyways, or just call in 844 722 Join thousands of online players already playing. Only the biggest, only the best, only at my bookie. So I teased it earlier that I was going to mention my fantasy situation. For those of you that know me, I'm very into Dynasty. And Dynasty is when you keep your team forever, you draft rookies every year. We're not getting into all that. But check out my, you know, check out my history. You'll see some of my Dynasty action. And that's my favorite. I'm still in one redraft league, though, and it's with all my buds from high school. They're my best friends. I've, I'm, some of them I've been best buddies with since first grade. I'm 43 years old, if you don't know. So that's a long-ass time to be buddies with these dudes. But what we do here in Pittsburgh is Labor Day weekend every year, our families know that we will not be around. It's my son's birthday on Saturday, so I'm going to hang here till then, leave in the evening, and stay till Monday. We get a cabin in the, the mountains, basically in the middle of nowhere, 12 teams in the leagues. A lot of the teams have two owners. A couple dudes come up that aren't even in the league. So there might be 20 guys throughout the weekend. And some of them go up. Some of my, men, some of my buds go up Friday, come home late Monday. You know, just vanish for a couple days. 
needless to say, it's utter debauchery. It's the best weekend of the year. We have a total blast. It's a phenomenal time. Over the course of this year, or of the course of this league, uh, we've done 18 holes of golf. We've gone skeet shooting. We've organized some events and whatnot, but... We've kind of given that up. <laughs> we just like to sleep in and no one bug us. And we have a campfire going the whole time. And we just chill the whole time. So it's a blast. Anyways, we also have a draft while we're up there. The big draft board. The whole draft takes like four or five hours. My boy Sab makes food all weekend. Those guys go to the grocery store and spend bazillions of dollars on steaks and everything you can imagine. It's everything you would think it should be. But anyways... Another part of the event is last two weekends ago, they all got together at a local watering hole and drew cards out of a out of a hat, you know, to figure out our draft position. And I think I drew the three or the four. And so therefore, you know, the, most people just go, I'll take one, I'll take two, I'll take three. Well, I took seven. No, I took eight. I took eight. Um, no, I took seven. I took seven. Never mind. Anyways, I took seven. Um and mostly because I don't think there's a huge discrepancy. And I like the pick in the middle of the round. And you're like, whenever you start to get in like fifth, sixth, and right then later, if I'm torn between two guys and I'm on the edge, there's no chance of getting the other guy, whoever you don't take. So I like picking in the middle because sometimes the guy falls back to your lap that's still sitting there. Uh, name of this league is the PHUC. I can't tell you what they all stand for. I know, I just can't tell you. Um, and if you spell that out, you can get an idea of the, the, the mentality of this crew. Uh, it's a blast. My man Jeff is a commissioner. He's one of my buds since first grade, and we will have a blast together this weekend. Anyways, picking seven. I am usually not a guy of, I'm going to go no running back. I'm going to wait on quarterback. I don't go in there with a whole heck of a lot of strategy. I basically say, I want the best player on the board no matter what. The one thing I will do, hopefully none of these guys are listening, but I bet they are. They follow me on Twitter, and they know all my secrets. It makes it hard to make any trades in this league or do any kind of wheeling and dealing. But anyways, uh, there you have it. So, what was I going to say? I will wait on quarterback. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Very late. You know, that that's not going to happen in the first probably eight rounds. And I might wait on tight end a very, very long time unless somebody happens to fall that I never thought would. And again, that goes back to the strategy that I'm not passing up a bad player so I can do my draft strategy. But anyways, at seven, my top seven guys ranked are Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham. I assume all three of those dudes are going to be gone. Uh, Operating under that assumption, my strategy is going to be take the best running back available between these four in order. Gurley, Elliott, who I think I'm going to get, David Johnson, Adrian Peterson. Kind of torn between Johnson and Peterson. I'm hoping for Elliott at seven. I hope that these dudes, none of these guys, obviously, are in the football world. There's a lot of, my one buddy is a doctor. You know, I mean, there's, there's, they're successful dudes, but they're busy with the real world. They don't think fantasy football and NFL year-round like I do. So I think a lot of them will be scared off with the Romo news. Hopefully I get Elliott at seven. But no matter what, it looks like I will take a running back at seven. Worst case scenario is Adrian Peterson. I am cool with that. I mean, he's going to get a ton of carries. You know, maybe the Bridgewater's news scares people off on him. So, whatever. He's going to get a ton of carries. He's still a stud. But I am going to take a running back most likely at seven. And I'm fine with that. And then chances are, just by doing a few mock drafts and being around this and talking and listening to other podcasts, I probably won't go running back again for a while. I probably, like, fifth round, fourth round, 
uh, depending who's there. And then I want to take a ton late. I want Charles Sims. I want Gio Bernard. I want Duke Johnson. I want all, you know, Abdullah that I mentioned, Dixon, those type of players that could hit big for you. So my plan probably at the, at the quarterback position will be, wait, 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 end up with Phillip Rivers or somebody. You know, somebody not exciting, but it's not going to hurt you. That's probably how that works. My running back situation will probably be first rounder, wait, 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 running back, wait a little bit. Running backs like crazy. Just flood my roster with them. So therefore, I should be loaded at the wide receiver position. So I picked seven. So therefore, I'm going to pick 18. I'm going to pick 31. I'm going to pick 42. I got my little spreadsheet here all lined up. And that, that was a lot harder for me to do than it should be to figure out what pick actually you get overall. 18, 31 from seven. Anyways, that's embarrassing. But anyways, after I pick at seven... I think guys like A.J. Green, Allen Robinson, DeAndre Hopkins, probably Le'Veon Bell will not make it to 18. You know, I think that's safe to say. I bet Gronk isn't there. Des Bryant might be because of the news. I think Lamar Miller's gone. Jamal Charles, we talked about him. You know, Freeman, I think those guys are probably gone. So I think I'll probably be selecting from a group of receivers like Des Bryant, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, Alshon Jeffrey. And I think I have that crew a little higher than the general fantasy community, but I just like them. You know, I want to leave this first, I'd love to leave the first two rounds of this draft with Elliot or Peterson and Mike Evans, who I talked about earlier. I think he's going to be a total stud. And then maybe another one of those guys in the third round. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if Amari Cooper falls to the third round, you know, at the 31st pick. And I'm not real big on ADP. I used to I used to prep for this draft by going to Mock Draft Calculator and checking out all the late, latest ADPs. And then I realized the dudes I'm playing with don't ever do that anyways, and they just pick whoever they like. So it totally gets thrown out the window. So that's my strategy. That's my weekend. I'm leaving Saturday evening, which is my son's birthday part. My son's birthday. I might get a little heat from him on that. I told you we just had his fantasy draft last weekend. That was a lot of fun. And I will tell you on Monday, or no, actually, it won't be a show on Monday because of Labor Day. Um, but we, we will reconvene on Tuesday. And next week, we're going to do a lot of things like power ranks and some general big picture things, predictions, over-under win totals, preview the Thursday game. But I will tell you how my fantasy draft ended up on Tuesday. And again, you might not hear fantasy again out of my mouth after that. This is not a fantasy show. But I know this time of weekend, this time of year, people are very into it. I understand that, and I have some experience to share with you, and maybe make your team a little better too. Okay, next up on the front four is a tweet that Pro Football Focus sent out, and I just want to make sure you guys know this. You know, this isn't a massive shock to me. I thought the number was higher than I expected, but the tweet was the most common personnel package in the NFL is eleven personnel which is used on 45.4% of the snaps. Do you guys know what 11 personnel is? I'm not sure you do. So when you hear 21 personnel, 12 personnel, 31 personnel, whatever, the first number is a running back. So 11 personnel, there's obviously five offensive linemen, a quarterback, and one running back on the field. Second number is a tight end. 11 personnel is one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. So... That is the most common offensive personnel package on the field. That doesn't shock me. I would have guessed that, but I'm surprised that it's 45%. 
Um, I would have guessed, you know, a third of the time, 40%, something along those lines. Uh, the people of Pro Football Focus know their stuff. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of, their, of the, the way they do business, and there's a lot of valuable knowledge there. There's some things I don't quite disagree, you know, agree with. But anyways, they do a good work, obviously. But I think most of you realize that the defenses are playing their sub-package, whether they're a nickel team, five defensive backs, or a dime team with six defensive backs on the field at once, almost two-thirds of the snaps. But sometimes they're dealing with two backs and three receivers, empty, you know, four receivers and a tight end, four receivers and a running back. There's a lot of ways that you could keep a team in nickel or dime or, you know, a lot of teams play a lot of one, 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, two receivers, but their tight ends are as much wide receiver as they are, you know, blockers, you know, Jordan Reed, for example, or Aaron Hernandez was the best example of this. And, and that's what a huge portion of the NFL has become is if I put these guys on the field, are you going to play your base defense or are you going to play your nickel? You know, and, and the pa- the Patriots, I think are about the best in the league at that. But it kind of shocks me that the, that the NFL is that heavy with 11 personnel, you know, because I would think that there'd be a lot of 12 personnel Still a lot of old school 21 personnel, which was huge, you know, you know, in the 80s with a, uh, a running back, a fullback, just one tight end, two, two receivers. I mean, now we're seeing a lot more diverse personnel packages, you know, including six offensive linemen. Um, but I also think the lines are a little blurred, too, that some of these tight ends are every bit as much wide receiver as they are tight ends. You know, what do you count Theo Riddick? Yeah, I mentioned that before. What if they have Abdullah, Riddick, Ebron? and two wide receivers on the field. You know, if you play that as 21 personnel with your base 3-4 or 4-3, and then Stafford should just look at that and say, okay, let's go hurry up. Let's keep him in this situation. Theo, you split out wide. Ebron, you split out wide. We'll keep uh, Abdullah close by too, but he's probably going to run a short flat route or something along those lines. Riddick's going to want to run a wide receiver route out of the slot. Ebron's going to go deep. You know, Tate and Jones are going to run typical routes. And all of a sudden, your 3-4 is panting and can't keep up. You know, so it's really interesting to me. And that's something I want you to watch throughout the season is how people vary their personnel groups. And, you know, that, that's just the starting point of what is the most common nowadays and how the game has changed as a relation to that. The last bullet point on my front four. And this kind of correlates with how tonight's games aren't much fun for almost everyone out out there listening. I mean, I'm sure you'll watch your favorite team. You'll go to Locked On, your favorite team tomorrow, and hear about it. And that's all great. But we're all excited for next Thursday when, you know, Super Bowl rematch, everything's live. You're not seeing guys that are going to be accountants and ditch diggers for the rest of their life playing in the second half. But what I would like to see done, and this kind of piggybacks off of what uh, Coach Harbaugh from the, the Ravens said, is I would like to see them go to two preseason games. And, of course, everyone's out there going, well, why would they ever do that? Because think of all the tickets and beers and jerseys and soft pretzels they sell at the games. They're never going to quit games. Well, if you go to two preseason games, have more inner team practices, you know, maybe an extra one of those during camp. And have an extra regular season game. So you would play 17 games and 
I think, and expand the rosters. That, that, that amazes me. I mean, the more I think about it, first of all, why are there even inactive players anyways? You're paying them anyway, any way you cut it. Would it really hurt the NFL to, to add seven more? I mean, even that many, seven more or five more roster spots of basically league minimum players most of the time, you know, add an extra return guy, the Dexter McCluster type that you just can't keep. But I mean, or specialists and other pass rush specialists, or even better, keep that extra quarterback on the bottom of your roster for two years and groom him. And maybe the quarterback play 10 years from now will be way better. I mean, you can't tell me these teams can't afford that an extra couple grand a week for five more spots. I mean, when I say expand the rosters, expand them heavy, you know, that uh, make a big deal out of it. Not just say, I will give you an extra guy, you know, so that this conversation tonight, all these guys on the bubble, you would keep all of them is basically how that ends up going. You play the extra regular season game, maybe start the season a week earlier. This would be the opening night. And to steal one of Ross Tucker's ideas is instead of having nine home games and eight away games or vice versa or switching that up every year, you already have teams that are losing a home game, which bothers me because of international play. So why not make one game every year? And, you know, I'm not a, I don't know how to do this. Somebody smarter than me would have to figure out the schedule. But one game of your 17 every year is at a neutral site, whether that's in a different country or if the Steelers play the Eagles, play it at Penn State, you know, or the Lions and Green Bay play at Ann Arbor or play in Wichita, Kansas. You know, play somewhere that there isn't NFL, that are two teams that are close that the fans would still flock to it and expand the game. Play more games in Mexico City. Play more games in Toronto. Um, You know, certainly go overseas more. I don't think that's all that unrealistic. And so in reality, you're only selling one less ticket. You expand the rosters. You are expanding the game more globally and even throughout the U.S. even more. And you're adding a new wrinkle without taking away somebody's home game. So as we have now, there's a lot of teams, or not a lot of teams, but there's a handful of teams every year that only get seven home games. Well, every year you'd get eight. And you could have eight away games and you'd have one neutral field game in Wichita, Kansas. Um, that's an inside joke for you guys that haven't been around. So there you have it. That's my thoughts on there. I have a lot of other thoughts on if I were the commissioner of the league or if I was the president of the world, things I would change in the NFL, but that would be a good start. I I think four preseason games is getting a little ludicrous. And I think after, after you watch your favorite team tonight, you will agree with me and report back to me tomorrow and say, yeah, two preseason games. I can get really fired up for that. Fired up. You can get really fired up. You can get Obama fired up for two preseason games. I mean, like I said, I've been doing the Steeler pregame shows. The first game, everybody was bonkers. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. Blah, blah, blah. You know, everyone's calling in like crazy. The second one wears off a little bit. Third one, everyone's psyched up. Tonight, everyone will be sleepwalking through it. You know, the, I'm talking about the fan base. And people, no one will be in the stadiums. And, you know, this is the time you give... You know, your, your kid, your tickets, or you know, neighborhood, ki- you know, neighborhood kid that's been walking your dog or mowing your lawn, here, take my tickets, or whatever. But I think that if two preseason games, you would keep the fury up and the excitement up. You could still get a lot of practice time. You still get a lot of camp time. Still could sh- you, know, you could still have joint practices. 
you have to expand the rosters. I, I think that should happen no matter what. I think that would make the game much better. I think you could develop players, have an extra running back, have an extra offensive lineman that just sits there all year, even more so than the practice squad situation, and you groom them. You know, keep an extra defensive lineman, keep an extra tight end. You know, special teams would be better. You could have a pure kickoff guy. There's just so much more possibilities. I mean, every facet of the game that you watch would be a little bit better, uh, even more specialized if you had more roster space. And I think the long-term development of some of these weaker positions like offensive line, uh, tight end, and especially quarterback would be much better in this league 10, 15, 20 years from now. So that's one of my thoughts, and I stole Ross's move on going to a neutral field, which I think would just be fun. I mean, imagine tailgating at Penn State for two hours before Eagles-Steelers. How great would that be? So, all right. Over and out. Take care. This was fun. We will talk tomorrow.